Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Bottoming the podcast about LGBTQ mental health, rock bottoming and beyond. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at bottomingpod or visit bottomingpodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Hi, my name is Brendan. And my name is Matthew, and our pronouns are he and him. It's week two of our Pride Month series. We've got Charlie Craggs and London Trans Pride. It's a very, very important and fantastic episode, so we hope you're going to enjoy it. As we mentioned last week, we are working with Jane Malone London this month on a series of internal newsletters going out to their employees, mm-hmm. and we also consulted on four charities that they're going to support throughout the month. Last week, we spoke to Maud Gober, who is a chair of the Board of Trustees at UK Black Pride, but she is also National Manager for Michael Rainbow, which is one of the first charities that Joe Malone are supporting. So we will be discussing a little bit more about the second charity mm-hmm. um, at the end of this episode, which this week is Gendered Intelligence. But how, how, how has your week been? Yes, it has. I feel like a broken record at this point. It's been busy. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, I don't like keep saying that because... You know, obviously it's boring and we we say (laughs) you need to find space, you need to find time. It's just things are foreign at the moment. Things will be a bit easier at the end of the month. I've got time booked off, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. But it is all all very, very exciting things, Mm. which makes it worth it. And I actually, I can't go into too much detail because I want to keep it secret until we we kind of go into this publicly in work. Mm -hmm. But there was a moment today where I got very emotional work mm-hmm. and i just thought these people that i'm working with people that are supporting the organization the things that we're all able to do mm-hmm. it just kind of hit me mm-hmm. quick couple of minutes and then i was like got shit to do <laughs> <laughs> go on now um 
So yeah, it's just those little little moments I think that like make it all worth it. What about you? How is it now that you've got some more free time? We're finishing uni for this summer. Honestly, we've got a busy month and a lot of the conversations we're going to be having are going to be work-related because that's all we're doing a lot of the time. <laughs> I did manage uh, I did manage to go on two dates last week, I know. <laughs> Little I'm say minx. That. Yeah. Little minx. Because I thought throughout lockdown, I was like... Lockdown. Honey. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. When I get out of here, when the world opens back up again, I am... Going to do the same. Going to do the same. And... And be more open as well <laughs> to seeing different people. So I went on a couple of dates. We and love that. They were really nice. Love it was that. the gorgeous weekend, mm. really hot, mm. as was I. We learned to, <laughs> you learned to mistake. We learned to mistake. You made a mistake as well, didn't you? What did I do? Did not wear any SPF, miss. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. I got almost third degree burns on my left leg. But it looks nice now, it's tan. No, the aging that will occur, the sun damage, the skin well, damage. Well, have one wrinkly leg. <laughs> well, you know, two wrink- legs and a wrinkly face. <laughs> sun damage. Everyone listening, wear your SPF this summer, please, yeah. okay? An exciting thing happened this week uh, with Joe Malone, which we spoke about, because mm-hmm. um, our first newsletter went out to their staff, their mm-hmm. employees, and they had some great feedback, which makes us feel really proud of the work we've done with them so we're busy getting on with the following newsletters and we're also included in spotify's loud and proud playlist which is uh which is an honor thank you honey so again we're doing this pre an event actually occurring. Mm-hmm. So we hope that this happens successfully on Sunday. Um, but we will be featured in Pod Bible magazine that when you are listening to this will have come out the Sunday before, four days prior, if you're listening on the day of release. Mm-hmm. Which is the best day when it's fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so their website's podbiblemag.com. Um, but we are featured in their print issue, the June print issue. And we've put together a few recommendations for our favourite LGBTQ plus podcasts mm-hmm. to celebrate Pride Month. So you can check that out. It will actually be online mid-June as well, with a little bit of an extended bit of copy in there too. So we included four, and we gave a bit of a description, and then we included another list, which was kind of like our additional recommendations. So a part of that list was Trans 2020, a podcast which you can get on SoundCloud, which was actually done... In collaboration with Gendered Intelligence. The next is Bit and Peach Pod, which is a queer Asian talk show hosted by non-binary writer and director Shay Shay. And it's supported by London-based, gender-diverse, pan-Asian artist collective, The Bit and Peach. Next we have Busy Being Black, which is hosted by Josh Rivers. And its aim is to explore how to make the most out of black queer life. And we also had Call Me Mother, um, which is hosted by author and journalist Sean Fay, where she talks with LGBTQ trailblazers, We've got something important, interesting, or enlightening to say about what it means to be queer in the world today. So, as I mentioned, this will be online later this month. Mm-hmm. Um, it was out in print this weekend. It was a supplement in the Sunday Times. And that kind of leads us into the episode content, actually. I feel like anyone that's been paying attention to the media over the last six months particularly, but especially the last few years, will have seen... Um, the onslaught that the media 
um, has had against the trans people. Mm-hmm. While we want to uplift all kinds of diverse LGBTQ voices, there are institutional problems within the press that if we didn't talk about or acknowledge, I think we'd be doing a disservice to those creators. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw a stat the other day about the time specifically and their treatment of trans people over the past couple of years. Yeah, so at the end of May, Jeffrey Ingold, who was the head of media for Stonewall, which is Europe's largest LGBTQ charity, um, he actually announced on Twitter that he was taking a step down from Stonewall, having a sabbatical, um, because he needed a break because of, of the level of hatred that was directed specifically towards Stonewall for mm-hmm. campaigning for trans rights in the UK. Um, but also his role in the media, I think, was kind of very full on in that sense. And one of the stats he shared, so the Times, including the Sunday Times, had published 223 stories about trans people and quote-unquote trans issues so far this year. So Quick Maths makes that almost two stories every single day about trans people. No one can say that's a coincidence. Um, There's been a couple of other stats, and I've seen this quite a lot over the last two or three years, where there's a a count of how many articles there are specifically about trans people because it has been so targeted Mm. back in 2019 one of the editors of the times had to come out and say that it was not a coordinated attempt by the newspaper and that it was just you know stories that needed talking about but since 2019 2020 and 2021 the increase um, and the proportion of articles that are talking about trans people in this way have increased dramatically and this is amplified on twitter in hate groups online we've seen the LGB Alliance, mm-hmm. which has a splinter, or was a splinter, is a splinter group, um, made up of some founders of Stonewall, who believe that the fight for trans rights, should we say, is silencing the voices of LGB people, which I will say for anyone with a level head <laughs> will know that, that is very far from the truth. Completely. We need, to, we need to be speaking up more because trans people in the UK are not supported and the onslaught by the media is non-stop. We also have a government in power in this country um, that is one of the the furthest right that we've had in decades. Mm -hmm. Our very big sigh equalities minister um, who doesn't even have the capacity to put her second job title equalities minister in a Twitter bio. Mm. She just has her trade job in there. Gross. At the end of May, she urged the government to pull out of Stonewall's leading LGBT plus in um, employment scheme so stonewall scheme work with hundreds of different businesses and organizations to essentially help them be more inclusive employers mm-hmm. it's kind of another episode's worth of, of discussion around inclusivity in the workplace mm-hmm. but for the government to specifically target a charity in this way in the same month following the lgb alliances charity status being awarded mm-hmm. is just very troubling and I think for, again, if anyone has not been paying attention to this, when you have got the media of the country acting in the way that they do, followed by a government acting in the way that they do, mm-hmm. that often work and support one another in the way that we all know that they do in mm. the UK, that is a very, very, very slippery slope and a very dangerous slope as well. We've seen how the Gender Recognition Act consultation has been delayed and delayed and delayed. Mm-hmm. We've seen, we spoke in one of our previous episodes about how 
the government's LGBT advisors all stepped down because of the way that the government were treating the conversion therapy conversations. Mm -hmm. Multiple, many of those advisors have said that it is not a government that supports LGBT people. So for those people to come out publicly, step down from their roles and then say this, people should be very concerned and should be making sure that they are not just keeping quiet and scrolling on the phones and like bypassing all of this information. Mm. Because this is, it's a crucial point now. It's been going on for years Mm -hmm. and people have missed it. People have not been paying attention or thought that someone else will deal with it. Mm -hmm. But we're at the point now where we're we're going the same way that many other countries have gone. Mm -hmm. When you've seen places like Poland, the US, when Trump rolled back rights there and brought in a trans military ban, it's all of these sorts of things. Rights are often very hard won but they can be very, very easily rolled back. Mm -hmm. So our first guest this episode is the absolutely gorgeous Charlie Craggs. She is one of our favourite people on Instagram. Oh my gosh, she brings me so (laughs) much joy, honestly. Like, I will be sitting in my bed like feeling like utter shite and be watching one of charlie's videos where she's like kicking down a door saying pretend who called my son a faggot (laughs) and (laughs) and i will feel a million times better in a heartbeat and it's what we got from this interview if i'm honest she is one of the most authentic people i've ever spoken to Firstly, thank you, Charlie, for just giving us the fucking time. Yeah. And also just for for being so fantastic. If you don't already, go right this second before the full interview kicks off and follow Mm -hmm. Charlie with an IE. I always like to be sure. (laughs) Charlie, IE, underscore Craig's on Instagram. You will never be disappointed with the content. (laughs) (laughs) I love that in her profile, she says the T in LGBT stands for try me, bitch. So yeah, as we've obviously mentioned, we love Charlie. She is an absolute barrel of laughs. But we all said it was one of our favourite interviews. And that was because she's a completely open book. We spoke about some really, really personal topics and really, really personal conversations. So it does contain conversations around suicide and also specifically about Grenfell Tower. So I am Charlie Craggs, my pronouns are she and her, and I am a trans activist and author and also presenter now. I've not really said that much yet. Like my documentary, um, Transitioning Teens, is coming out on BBC. I don't know when, they only tell you, like they literally tell you like two weeks before it comes out, which is so annoying. But um, sometime soon I will be a TV presenter, which is really exciting to say. Okay, so to get started, we both followed you for quite some time and i think the first time we both saw you together it was maybe a corporate event probably around pride and i think it actually was the same event as rosie jones legends and legends um we just gravitated towards your self-assuredness um recently on one of your first instagram lives you spoke about confidence and self-acceptance and it being really important uh, for others watching to take away can you talk a little bit more about this and how you became um so self-accepting Oh God, it's been a journey. And on that live, I spoke about how if I can do it, anyone can do it. Cause I'm really very naturally the opposite of that. So like I grew up being the most like soft, sensitive, like 
I'm a Pisces bitch. Like I'm like the, <laughs> I am a crybaby. I'm like the, I was like the loser growing up. I was the victim. Like, and I just got to a point where I was just like, no, like this is not my narrative, Gia. Like this is, <laughs> this is just, it's not working for me. And it was when I transitioned. And I think for a lot of people transition, and I guess for maybe a lot of gay men coming out, it's almost like a death where you're like, actually, no, this is a fresh start. Like I'm not, like for it, it for me it was almost like a death where I left the old self behind and I got to choose what what woman I wanted to be what girl or girl because I'm so young <laughs> we we're just talking about age but yeah I got to decide what I who I wanted to be because I was like obviously there's parts of me that I'm gonna leave behind because they're um I was the least masculine person but I guess some things that I'm like well I won't want to do this now that I'm transitioning so I also in terms of my personality was like well I'm I was so like cripplingly like shy and like no one's gonna be like oh like let me live your life for you it doesn't I just think I wasted so much of my life for what like for because mm -hmm. I was like who was I embarrassed like what was I embarrassed of so I'm trying to make up for it now by being the total opposite of that and I'm just like even in terms of standing up for myself my friends who know me from like growing up are like amazed at the person I am now and how like loud and proud and like not just being loud and proud for myself but for my community mm -hmm. I am because I was the total opposite of that and they're like Charlie Jesus Christ like you have so mm -hmm. blossomed like you've so come into yourself like you I can't believe the 360 of like and it's it's just because I got tired when I transitioned the amount of shit I was getting every single day just like multiplied Mm -hmm. by like a hundred and I was just like what the hell like, I just it was just too much and I'm like I need to save myself like I need to I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a victim anymore I'm not gonna be quiet shy victim like, I just was like no that like, this is not this is not who I am now like so I just I just stopped and it's a fake it till you make it thing because at the start it was very foreign to me like I remember the first time I stood up for myself to someone who was rude to me for example or I remember the first time even with dating experiences I remember just like it felt very foreign but then the more you do it the more natural it feels yeah. and the easier it becomes like it becomes like a, it's a ha it's like a habit I guess yeah. and then after a while I couldn't even go back to being that quiet like I would actually like to incorporate a bit more of that quiet person into who I am now because I'm like Jesus Christ especially with dating I'm like I'm so like the boys who approach me I'm or the, especially the ones who follow me on Instagram who might like talk to me I'm like you are so brave because you've seen how I am like you know I am crazy like you know I will like if you do me wrong I'm gonna like <laughs> I'm gonna Taylor Swift you but I'm not gonna write a song about you I'm gonna like drag you on Instagram for days and I'm gonna send my followers after you I'm gonna write a book about you like I'm I am unhinged like I would like to have a bit more of like the shy like lovely like little Charlie that I was in who I am now but it's my point is is that if you fake it for long enough you fake it till you make it that now that is who I am and I couldn't be anything other than the like loud proud bullshit bitch I am and I just is so if I, my whole point is that if I can do it you can do it and if, if you're in your life and you're like tired of being a victim or tired of like feeling like you're wasting your life because you're because of your shyness or you're like uh I just I just honestly and it it sounds cliche, but if I can do it, you can do it. And just mm -hmm. start now, start today. Do one little thing that pushes you out of your comfort zone and and act like the person you want to be and draw some strength from people, uh, whether it's on social media or on the mainstream media or people even just like your friends. Mm -hmm. I drew a lot of that strength when I transitioned from the women in my life. So like, I was like, what type of woman do I want to be? I want to be like the women in my life who don't take no shit. And like, yeah, who yeah. like, and I see so much of them in who I am now. So they're just... You, please, if you're listening to this, try and do one thing today to mm -hmm. be that person that you want to be. Obviously, we love your honesty, whether you're talking about a bad hookup 
Pustain boy, uh, experiences at school, snatching the food at the end of a Vogue shoot, or your mental health. So while we're on the end of the phone screaming, laughing, we're also wanting to reach out to comfort you. If you're okay to do so, could you talk us through your experience of depression? I was going to cancel this and I'm, I'm actually doing a lot better today, but the last two days I've been in bed, I haven't left bed, I haven't, I've been so mentally unwell that I feel like I've become physically unwell, you know, that sort of yeah. mentally unwell mm. where you literally like, I feel like I'm moving slower, like even just to walk down the stairs to go get a drink of water was like a lot for me, like I just can't, I get really bad, it's because I've gone back to therapy now that things have opened up and um, oh my god, I it was a mess, like I was crying in the session and stuff and I just like came home and I just like, I had to cancel like even yesterday I had some content to go live and I just couldn't do it and I'm like, I just, I feel like, like physically unwell with it so like I feel like I was going to cancel this and I thought you know what no it's like the perfect time to talk about it and it's actually like I'm feeling a lot better as you can hear from all the like I wouldn't have been able to have done this yesterday never mind that the laughing I wouldn't even be able to have like a conversation because like I just felt like empty um but I feel like that's really important to talk about and that's why I'm very like I, I don't shy away from talking about it on Instagram because I just I just think, I I think aside from like the kind of surface level, which I think has been done a bit much of like, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, we know that now. Like, okay, we don't need to keep like, so it's, it's one, it's nice still, but I'm not, it's not just a case of me going online and being like, hi guys, like, it's okay not to be okay sort of thing. Like I've been really sad. I try and go a step beyond that and like, kind of talk about the messiness of it as well like going like go a bit deeper than that and also talk about like how I really struggle like you wouldn't believe like I'm probably the loneliest person out of everyone I know in my whole life like I do, I'm a very I'm like painfully lonely and like you wouldn't know that from like looking at me I, I don't think I'm watching my content and watching like the laughing and the messiness and like or even like the way I talk about like how I'd slap Piers Morgan like you just wouldn't think I'm like someone who's like her and or maybe you would maybe that's why you think I do it I don't know but I'm just I just think it's important to go beyond the like it it's okay not to be okay for example like I did like the thing I'm posting is that I couldn't post yesterday because I felt so unwell it's a, the body shop campaign which I'm part of mm-hmm. so I'm one of their like hashtag quotation marks you can't see this but like leading lights so I'm like one of the faces of their new campaign around self-love and when I had to post the first kind of main film for the campaign I spoke about like and I, I didn't ask Body Shop if I could do this but I spoke about how like I don't love myself a lot of time I I don't even like how I I hate like I cried when I watched that film for the first time because I felt so ugly like and I just think it's so important just to like like when we're talking about mental health not to talk about it with an Instagram filter on, do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, w- like be like, I like, I could have done that and be like, I feel so ugly while I feel myself with a face full of makeup, pushing my boobs together with an Instagram filter, being like, softening my voice so I, I look more sexy. Do you know what I mean? I just will go on and I'll be like, I'm a fucking mess. Like, I, I, I'll, here's this list. Let me show you this list I wrote down when I watched that video of everything I want to change about how I look. I've already spent 40K on how I look. I want to, I feel like I need to spend another 40K. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. I think, I just think we need more messiness. I'm so tired of living in like a filtered world, a, a world that is like so like, even when you're being real, it's not real, real. It's not real. I'm sick of like everything being like hashtag real rather yeah, than actually yeah. real. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I want more, I want more real. I want more authenticity from people. And like, so that's what I strive to give in my content. It's just absolute raw, rawness, rawness and realness on a more personal kind of, 
no, I guess my, I've been depressed since I was like a teenager. So when I, and it makes perfect sense and it's the same narrative for a lot of LGBT, but, well, I guess more specifically trans people because it's to do with your body changing. But like, um, yeah, well, as soon as I went through, pu started going through puberty and I started growing facial hair and bitch, I was like, I'm so pissed off. I was like the first, you know, like the, I'm so naturally hairy. Like, oh, it just makes me so angry that God did this to me. But like, I was so like naturally like, oh my God, anyway. Basically, it was really, really hard. And like, I remember just feeling suicidal from like, and really like body dysmorphic to the point where I couldn't look in the mirror without feeling sick. And I just, even now, like when I fix things, I still don't really look in mirrors in daylight because I've, I've got a lot of triggers or I don't go out. I couldn't like put the camera on in the daylight. I just can't do things like that because I'm so traumatized by like, anyway, but basically that's when it all started. Um, got gradually worse and worse and worse until I, so I, I was about 20 when I decided to transition. I'd known for obviously a bit before that. It, I, it took me a long time to even know because there just was no re representation for a very, very long time until I feel like I was, until I was like a teenager, I didn't even know that you could be trans, even though I was textbook, obviously trans. Like I was like telling my mum I was a girl when I was like three, four. I was like going to bed praying that I was a girl. I just thought it meant I was gay and I was told I was gay by everyone. So I, I assume that's what I was, but it was so obvious I wasn't. I was trans, like I was dressing up like a little girl, like a girl and stuff and playing all my friends with girls and stuff. And it's just, it's really sad to look back and think, yeah, that it just, I don't know, I wouldn't, my life might have been a bit easier if I'd started, yeah, or yeah. It would, not even might have been easier, it would have been easier if yeah. I'd started sooner. Going to like an all boys school, um, and like even just like growing up where I grew up on a council estate, it's very like a macho environment. And even in my family, like I have two brothers, so like and my brothers are very like, heteronormative kind of macho straight boys so like it would just made me feel even worse about myself and I really internalized you know like everyone was being really LGBT phobic to me and I was bullied for being really effeminate from a very very young age from like seven and then like I started internalizing that and I remember towards the end of my teen years like really even maybe if you would ever cross paths at LCF like you would have not recognized me because I was like I really stripped away all the parts of me that made me feminine because I was so I was so depressed and I just wanted to be normal and I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like my brothers. So like I stopped listening to the music I liked. I stopped dressing how I wanted to dress. I tried to like make myself be the man that I was being told I was supposed to be. And then you can imagine what that does to someone's mental health. The bullying in school was so bad and for a long time I thought that's why I was depressed. And then I left school and even like three years on after leaving school, four years on, five years on even, I was still, I was more depressed, if anything. And it's weird, because you think when you leave the bad situation, the, yeah, the problem yeah. stops, but it doesn't, because you're like hurt by the kind of, the after effects and the conditioning of, like, of being in school for five, seven years and being like bullied every day for being LGBT or whatever. It doesn't, just because the bullying stops, the trauma doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. And that internalization, that's probably not a word, of the trauma. Yeah. So like, I was like 20 or, tw I mean 21 even at uni and like, still so affected by that and more depressed that's when the depression kind of came to our head and I was really suicidal at that point it wasn't just depression I just didn't want to be here and I remember like some me transitioning kind of came out of like a last shot at life because I was going to kill myself I was like really really close to the edge because I could I didn't think I'd be able to take being trans because being trans is so the way you're treated being trans isn't hard but the way you're treated for being trans is hard mm -hmm. and I knew it was going to be really really hard especially like where I was living and stuff and I just didn't think I'd be able to take it and um, I thought, let me try it. And then if I can't take it, then I'll kill myself. But at least like try it for a bit. And um, so I, that's what I did. And it wasn't easy. It was harder. Um, but there's something about 
going back to kind of the the theme here of like even when things are hard like you got yourself if that makes sense and you're you know you're like oh I can't think of a, a the only thing I can think of saying is like you're on the right track but it sounds like I'm singing born this way but like it's essentially that is that like even if the whole world hates you if you love yourself that's kind of the most important thing and it doesn't it doesn't um take away from how hard it is being treated so badly by the rest of the world but it's a different thing when you hate yourself but also the world hates you if that makes mm-hmm. sense so pre-transition yeah. i hated myself and the world hate me so it was really hard i was that's why i think even though my life became harder when i transitioned i could cope with it because i felt like it was the biggest act of like self-love to just like accept myself and and then I could almost handle the hate from the world, even though it was more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Since then, just to like finish off the depression story, it doesn't stop. And I, I think it's important to talk about that because um, I think there's like misconceptions that, you know, like, and the campaigns like It Gets Better are so important. It does get better in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it stays the same or it gets worse where like, like I said, just because you leave the toxic situation or the toxic environments or the toxic people, you're, you don't get to leave behind the trauma. Like yeah, trauma yeah. stays with you forever. It's just a, a way of understanding how to work with your trauma and try and heal from your traumas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, they're there forever. Like, and um, yeah, even now, so like I've kind of, I'm come to the end of my transition, I guess. Like I'm doing really well for myself and my kind of work life. I don't know, like there's, I'm not well, like, I'm really, I'm, I don't, I, there's, just to be extra real, like, I don't want to be here a lot of the time, like, I've kind of got to a place where I'm a bit better now, but in the last couple of years, like, I've just, I don't want to be here, if I'm quite honest, like, the only reason I'm still here is because of my mum, like, I wouldn't, I don't think I could do it to my mum, where I, I, but apart from that, if my mum wasn't here, I'd kill my, I'd kill myself the, the moment I found out, if my mum died, I would kill myself, like, the next second, like, I wouldn't even think, it wouldn't even be a, a thought, I would just be like, no, I don't need to be here anymore, like, I'm not, it's just it's so I just I feel like it's important to talk about that because you feel less lonely in it when you know that other people are going for it otherwise you're looking around and thinking that everyone else is kind of living their best life and it's like actually they're not like it makes it a lot easier to deal with when you know that there's a lot of other people who are feeling this way not even a lot like most other people are feeling this way especially in our community and what type of things helped you in these times um bad things if I'm honest and I think again I'd, I, I'm not just going to skirt over that I'm going to talk about everything <laughs> if I'm like I'm, I'm like I just think it's really important that we do talk about it I think and especially again in our community for me like I like whether it's like I would a big comfort eater like I have put on so much weight in the last few years just because I've been so fucking sad <laughs> that all I and I'm being like I don't know just very lonely like all I've had is food to comfort me so like I, I've eaten a lot but even like hooking up like again in our community I think that's a big thing mm-hmm. and um for me it was a way of like feeling something like I felt very numb when I lost my best friend and it was a way of me feeling like less lonely because you're around someone else but also feeling like feeling like something because I felt very like numb and like I just I wasn't feel I literally I'm and what it is I had PTSD I like got diagnosed recently but like I I'm I was very like traumatized and like very lonely and just like just in a lot of shock and then um doing something like naughty that word sounds so gross but doing something yeah. like <laughs> excite exciting I guess especially for someone like me like I was the I I came into like my sexuality very late because of being trans because I was so uncomfortable with my body I didn't want to have sex with people to pre-transition so like as someone who went from that to going to what I went through in the last couple of years where I was like just like 
having sex with people and they were disgusting like they as in just they just didn't deserve me like and I'm like you are a shit bag but like I was doing it and I it was almost like so I thought it was to comfort me uh, but it was it was yeah the opposite like mm. I, for and it took me a long time to realize that that I was like hurting myself not helping myself I thought I was helping myself because uh, it, it feels good in the moment and it feels like it's like, like in the same even the same with food like mm. It, these things feel good in the moment and they make the problem uh, that you're trying to like combat feel a bit less real maybe or, or they disguise it but it's, it's like um, it's just yeah it's not it's, it doesn't it doesn't help in the long term mm-hmm. and um, yeah I just I just again I just think it's important just to talk about these things and mm-hmm. like because I think against a lot of people are probably doing this yeah, especially yeah. in our community and doesn't help anyone if we don't talk about it so you you've just mentioned about losing your best friend i know you talk publicly on instagram especially about grimful and the injustice around and um, around that if you're okay too do you mind talking to us a little bit more about the importance um of keeping this conversation going a big part of the reason i talk about uh, everything to do with grimful and khadija is because um, obviously, well, for obvious reasons, is that like obviously I want justice for my best friend, and um, the reason we've not had justice is because very strategically the the government with their inquiry have just like dragged out so long. We're coming up to like I think four years now, or maybe even no, it's the fourth year coming up uh, next month. Maybe when this is out, this will be the the next month, the fourth anniversary already. But um, they've strategically dragged out so so long so that. People become less passionate about it. People stop to care. People become um, desensitized. Mm-hmm. Um, not even just to the issue, but to like the imagery, to like the stories, to like just to the whole issue. Because the more and it, like if it had been dealt with straight away, like the the pain would be fresh and the passion would be fresh and the 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 images were still shocking. But like we've seen that image like a, a million times, just like with Twin Towers or something, it becomes less shocking. Like even for for me looking at images and. I think yeah, it's a it's a strategic thing on their behalf, and like even the way there's just so many. I can't even. I'm not even going to get into injustices, but like never mind it even happening, which was a massive injustice and which was political in itself. I'm not going to get into that, and I think anyone listening could use their two brain cells to realise like obviously part of the reason I talk about it is to get justice because and to keep people talking about it because the only way we're going to get justice is if like we put enough pressure on the government to like actually. I think that's why they've got away with it for so long is because people are just like they like wore us down but um aside from the kind of political side of things of why I talk about uh Grenfell when I do is because of the like stuff to do with loneliness to be quite honest like how um and I talked about this a bit earlier with you guys but like how I think people from looking from the outside in at like my socials even for example wouldn't think or wouldn't know like how how lonely I am I think I think because I come across as such like a social kind of like effervescent I can't think of a word but you know like a very I'm a very like I've got a lot of character and you you wouldn't think that I'd be someone who would be oh I at least I even when I look at myself I'm like bloody hell like you seem like you seem like I not to be big-headed but I seem like someone who might have a lot of friends because I'm the sort of person who's like the life and soul of a party sort of vibe but I'm like the opposite, if anything, like in Corona, the lockdowns really made me realise how much of a mess I was in a way and that like my life hardly changed. And that is so depressing to say. And I feel like a lot of people won't even believe it. But like 
whether you're speaking about addiction or loneliness or depression or whatever, there'll be someone who is watching who would look at you and never think that you'd be feeling the same way they're feeling. And that is so valuable. That's invaluable mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just want to be the type of person that I needed when I was yeah. 10 years ago. I, I needed this person I am now, mm. who is someone who is uh, suffering with the same problem and being open about it, but also just like really bullshit and proud and loud and sassy and yeah, yeah. like just a fighter. You mentioned in your intro that you've got a documentary coming out, BBC Presenter. Um, we're so excited to see that. Can you give us a brief overview, um, talk about the aim of the documentary and what um, we should expect? Actually, it kind of links on perfectly to the last question about like how I'm being the person that I needed because um, it's about trans teenagers um, and uh, about kind of it's the way of kind of debunking a lot of the misconceptions in the media right now because there's so much talk about trans teenagers even recently we've seen the high court repeal uh, trans people's rights specifically trans teenagers rights with like to do with like things like hormones and blockers and like the age of like kind of consent and stuff and so it's basically a way of kind of debunking a lot of those myths and just like getting the truth out there. And I think the fact that it's for BBC is it's kind of like um, a blessing and a curse in a way, because it, I mean, obviously the platform will be amazing, but also like being for the BBC, it's this whole thing about like, you have to be like neutral and you have mm -hmm. to be um, kind of like unbiased. Mm -hmm. So like I was, con which is stupid because they there'll be a million programs that aren't neutral or, or, bi or bi unbiased, but they, there was a lot of, uh, notes from the commissioners who would be like you have to include this you have to include this things I don't want to include yeah, yeah. but I think that's actually really good because because we've included everything there's now when the bigots watch they can't be like well you've left out this no we have on we have turned every stone it's been filmed over a year because of lockdown so we had like a year to film it so it's like perfect it's like perfected mm -hmm. so we have like and um, there's no stone that's been left unturned where in terms of like the kind of uh, other side of the argument sort of thing we've included everything we've included the stuff we don't want to but it's a in in the end it kind of works in our favor because it this the kind of message you're left with is still that like is a trans positive message I met a, a detransitioner which is and detransitioners are often the argument that are thrown in the face of trans people of like well what if you change your mind sort of thing so we met one and I was I was very nervous I didn't want to meet a detransitioner but I met them and we even though we both have very different views we came, came to the same conclusion that it's not a case of oh trans teenagers shouldn't be seen by doctors it's a case of there should be more doctors in place to catch mm -hmm. the teenagers who um aren't who are going through a phase and who are going to change their mind which is one percent which is nothing but they i mean just to appease those the people who are the bigots who think that that there should be more doctors in place not less i just think it's a really fresh take on the argument because i didn't mm -hmm. in all my years of like doing media stuff around trans stuff i've never seen that kind of conclusion be made that we actually we should be fighting for the same thing we're also aware that you're going to be releasing an update to your book, To My Trans Sisters. Can you tell us more? Yeah, well, there's not much to say right now. Um, I've just had the contract through, though, so it's actually happening, which is really exciting. Um, but it's basically, To My Trans Sisters came out. So when it when the update is coming out will be the five-year anniversary, which is a really nice mark. Um, and I can't believe it's been five years and I can't believe I've not done a second book in that time most, most people would have done five books and because I'm so depressed I'm like fucking just can't even so like I do like a book every five years that's ridiculous but anyway um I'm gonna do an update where it'll basically kind of uh kind of be like a second version like a, an updated version where it uh will be kind of tweaked in some ways so for anyone who doesn't know the book is a collection of 
letters from trailblazing trans women offering advice to people at the start of their transitions. Um, and it's got like people who are like politicians and scientists and even celebrities and stuff. It's like people at the, the top of their field who have like really uh, not just made it, not just, I just bit my tongue and then the weird, I just made the weirdest, I was like, not just me. <laughs> they haven't just made it through transition, but they've made it to the top as well. So like they've really, they just made it basically. Because mm. it's for me a massive way of kind of preserving the legacy of our community and stuff. Uh, I'll be hopefully be able to put some people, new people in the book. There's a million trans amazing people who have come into the public eye since the book was done who like just won in the public eye before. So hopefully I can get a few of them in the book. And so, yeah, it will hopefully just be like a, a better version of the book I released five years ago to celebrate the book turning five. And it will come out in Pride season next year, hopefully, which is really exciting. So I know you've already got quite a lot on your plate, but what else should listeners be looking out for? I'm hoping that, so I want to start YouTube because I've really enjoyed, like, what, um, I actually didn't enjoy doing a documentary, if I'm quite honest, but, like, I really enjoyed, like, the, the, the storytelling and just, like, I think my, I think it's really important when you're trying to do something for a social cause to ask yourself what skills do you possess that can help your cause because, like, not everything's for everyone so like not everyone is made to like want to go out on the street and be shouting like not everyone's that sort of person but not everyone's the sort of person who could i don't know there's just a million ways to kind of help fight for your cause and i think my thing is i'm really personable and i'm really good at kind of speaking to people and winning people over almost that's what i've been doing for the last seven years with nail transphobia with where i travel around with the pop-up nail salon and do people's nails and chat about trans stuff and i'm like so like i'm gonna start trying to do like my own almost like doc mini documentaries where i like basically break down the issues especially to do with like lgbt rights especially trans rights um and the things going on in the happening right now that like not everyone most people don't know about because unless you're tapped into the conversation you're not just not going to know about but there's huge things happening like I said we're like our rights being repealed that like and like just the constant challenges to our rights and like just like everything going on that like I think if I was to like make these documentaries that I'd have no one above me being like you have to say this or can't say this I can make really fun ones that are really engaging as well because I think that's part of my charm is that I can uh, I'm fun and stuff and I think it, it wouldn't just be like doom and gloom like me reading the news like it would be like me like talking about an issue and it'd be very like small and like shareable and stuff but like it would be like a way of like kind of bringing people into the conversation around trans rights who mm -hmm. aren't normally engaged because it would be kind of done in a really like yeah i just think that's kind of where i want to go so i think i'm going to start doing my own little documentaries stacy dearly better watch out Thanks so much, Charlie, for speaking to us and for being so open. We know you're having a difficult time when we spoke, so thank you for being so honest. There was clearly a lot of conversation around mental health during that interview, and unsurprisingly, in direct relation to things that we spoke about earlier, such as government legislation and press attacks, there's no wonder why trans people's mental health would be affected in some way. In the LGBT healthcare report by Stonewall in 2018, they noted that two-thirds of trans people, which is around 67%, had experienced depression in the last year, and 71% had experienced anxiety that same year. And so clearly, some changes need to be made somewhere. The Trevor Project, which is the leading national organisation providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to LGBTQ youth in the US, posted a couple of stats the other day 
which said that transgender and non-binary youth who have their pronouns respected by most people in their lives are 50% less likely to attempt suicide and if they have acceptance from at least one adult can decrease the risk of LGBTQ youth attempting suicide by 40%, which they just sound like very simple things to put in place and to implement to really significantly reduce the risk of someone feeling so low that they have to end their life. Recently, we learned of the death of Sophie Williams, who was the co-founder of We Exist, who died by suicide while waiting for her first assessment at the Gender Identity Clinic. So one of the memorial posts that we saw on Instagram from her friends said that she'd been waiting for five and a half years for her first assessment. She then moved to London from Belfast uh, last summer, and she was told by staff at the Gender Identity Clinic that she had to wait around further four years for her first assessment. What's really painful about that as well is the fact that she set up We Exist, which aims to raise vital funds to help trans people across the UK pay for healthcare costs as a necessity in the face of the rising waiting times for healthcare for all trans people in the UK and associated costs with going private. If you would like to learn more about the work that We Exist do and to also donate, you can check them out on Instagram. It's We Exist London. And you can also go to weexist.co.uk. As we said earlier, mm-hmm. one way to make sure that you are, A, keeping up to date with what's going on, mm-hmm. making your voice heard, supporting people in the community, yeah, is by joining London Trans Pride. Yes. So this year, London Trans Pride takes place on the 26th of June. Mm-hmm. And it is a response to the injustices that trans people face daily all over the world. Yeah. To round this episode off, we wanted to speak to someone from London Trans Pride, hear a little bit more about what the event means, what's going to be happening, and how we can all get involved. So here is Hannah from London Trans Pride. My name is Hannah Rouse. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm an event producer based in London. So London Trans Pride was founded like out of a need for community here in London. We obviously had our disconnected events um, in London, but the capital never really had a big, big trans march, like, for example, Brighton has, or a few of the other cities have. So we started it um, back in 2019 to protest the general things that were happening back then and to have a meeting place for the trans people in London. So we know there's been an abundance of harmful press surrounding trans rights in the UK. It's kind of amped up in the last six months, but it's been ongoing for a number of years at this point. And it feels like this year's event is more important than ever. Other than showing up and supporting in person, is there anything um, you'd ask others within the community and allies that they can specifically do to support the work of London Trans Pride? Um, yeah, lots. So to support us directly, we are, have a GoFundMe because we're a completely grassroots organisation. So the founders and the main team are completely working um, without any pay. So... The team's collecting funds through GoFundMe right now. And we're also launching t-shirts and tote bags soon. So keep an eye out for socials um, if you want to support us through that and also get some stuff back. If you don't have money to support um, sharing our posts on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, sending it to your friends, asking people to come, asking people to support, it's extremely, extremely helpful because after all, we're bigger in numbers Mm -hmm. our strength lies in our numbers and to generally support our cause is by just 
supporting trans rights. So correct your trans friends' pronouns even when they're not around. Put your pronouns in your social bios and your work signatures if you can or email signatures in general. Uh, share posts or share things written by trans people. Support local trans people in their art, in anything else. Support your local drag scenes because it's all trans people running those. Um, so there's a lot you can do to support the community very directly and that'll impact us directly instead of um, buying pride flavored things this pride month. <laughs> Give your money directly to a gay. Here's my <laughs> PayPal. <laughs> So what should people expect from this year's event? This year we're marching for the consultation for the GIA that was completely ignored. Mm -hmm. Them not recognizing non-binary as a legal gender because it would be too much effort. Mm -hmm. The continued allowance of conversion therapy, um, the continued mutilation and forced surgery of intersex people at birth, and the general discontent of the government towards the NHS and the ridiculous wait times you have to access trans care. So there'll be a lot of shouting, a lot of um, marching and stomping our very gay boots. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, flags, banners. We will generally, obviously we're marching for a very important cause and it's a very saddening cause, but we do make every place we go to fabulous, fun and extremely gay. So just prepare for that and prepare to probably not have a voice for the next week. So as I mentioned at the start of this episode, um, we wanted to highlight the second charity that Joe Malone are supporting this month. This week is Gendered Intelligence. So Gendered Intelligence was established in 2008 and it works to increase understandings of gender diversity and improve the lives of trans people. The vision is a world where diverse gender expressions are visible and valued and where trans, non-binary, gender diverse and gender questioning people live healthy, safe and fulfilled lives. They are a trans-led and trans-involving grassroots organisation with a wealth of lived knowledge, community connections and a depth and breadth of trans community knowledge that is second to none. Again, a fantastic, fantastic organisation. If you would like some charities to give your own cash to this month, make sure you give those a look. Genderedintelligence.co.uk You can do a one-time donation. You can do even better and make it a monthly donation. Mm. So check them out. And yeah, again, it's just really great that we get to work with Joe Malone um, and advise on some of these charities too. So an enormous thank you mm. to our guests this episode. Thank you so much, Charlie and Hannah Rose. We hope that this episode has been informative, got you frustrated and angry because that's one of the ideas if there's things you're still a little bit unsure about there's enough stuff out there at the minute mm -hmm. just keep reading keep learning and just allow ourselves to feel a bit more empowered to support people so we are done for the week we will be back next week next week you lucky sods <laughs> just a little reminder that we are you we all everyone listening mm -hmm. you can vote for bottoming at the british podcast awards if you so feel the need and the desire yes honey go to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote <laughs> there's been a couple of updates to our spotify playlists i've actually got the new bimini banger in there have you bimini bamboolash banger yes <laughs> go into the link in either the show notes 
or on our socials. Yeah. Final thing, and I'm yes, gonna take please. I'm gonna take it this time, Brendan. We'll always oh. this is where Brendan usually gets his bag and bowl out. <laughs> I'm so better on my knees, I think. <laughs> um we really appreciate people that have taken the time to leave reviews mm-hmm. um and ratings on Apple Podcasts for us. Whoever the little gem was that left, you're doing amazing, sweetie, like we, we mentioned can't last episode. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you to that person. I don't know who you are from your from your username on Very the podcast. Very elusive, yeah. But honestly, you really did amazing, sweetie. You so did. thank you so much. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you've enjoyed these episodes, do give us a little rate and review on our podcast. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. We will be back next Wednesday with Cherry Valentine of Drag Race UK Season Two fame. You'll see. Wait until you see the photo, because oh. honestly, we gasped. Full drag. When Miss Cherry came when Miss Cherry came on screen. And we also speak to Traveller Pride as well to learn a little bit more about what they are doing this year too. So yeah, thanks for listening. We will see you next Wednesday. As always. You're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.